We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike, and today we preview the play-in game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And guys, one of the things I was struck by in watching the our previous games against Minnesota yesterday was how they're only fractionally relevant to tonight's game uh, due to player availability. The first game was in late October, and that was a game AD did not play in, and the guys who started alongside LeBron were Damian Jones, Pat Bev, Lonnie Walker, and Troy Brown Jr. I don't put a whole lot of stock into that game. The second game we played was post-trade, but neither LeBron nor D'Lo played, nor Cat played in that game, and the Lakers' offense really struggled in a home game against Minnesota's very good ball pressure and ball denial and just perimeter defense in general. We were a ball handler short at the very least. And then the most recent game, and this was the last really intense game that we played, was on March 31st in their gym. And that was a a great game, a great regular season game in that both teams were really going for it. It was important for playoff positioning. But The way we opened up that game, Mike, was a lot of LeBron and AD high pick and roll. And the main defensive characters in that were Jaden McDaniels, who did a great job on LeBron. LeBron did not have a good game in Minnesota. And then Rudy Gobert, neither of whom will be playing tonight. And so as someone who's watched them all year, Mike, they've been a team that has had a few different permutations due to injury this year. I don't really know what this version of the Wolves looks like specifically without Nas Reed. And so I'd love to hear your perspective on that first, Mike, is what is this Minnesota team that we're playing tonight in this version? They might be a little bit better on offense and they're they're a lot worse on defense, uh, basically just with the personnel changes. And so McDaniels is a part of it. Gobert is a part of it. Towns, by being like the, the actual stretch five uh, that you know, obviously that creates more space and more driving lanes for Anthony Edwards. But uh, I think this is where like the Wolves just in general with the personnel guys, they're everything that's happened for, to them. And it's not, you know, it's not just the Gobert and Anderson thing on the bench and uh, McDaniels, but even a couple of bench guys like Jalen Noel, who was playing well offensively earlier this year, not really going right now. They're they're playing Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So they're relying a lot on Edwards, or they have been relying a lot on Edwards for providing some of that offensive ballast. And then since Towns has been back, 
it's it's not just been him as the typical offensive weapon as the stretch five because Gobert's still been playing a lot. So they've been having to kind of mix different lineups in and mix different threats in. And I think that this game all comes down to just the Lakers approaching it with the right defensive focus um, and the right energy there because they do have answers, I think, for what Minnesota can do. And, you know, Vanderbilt on Edwards is part of it. AD limiting what Towns does is part of it. And then Rui coming in and limiting some of what Towns does. But I, I, I just don't think they're going to have the same threat level um, over like the rest of the team as to what you would typically see in a game like this. And I'm, I also just think that the Laker home crowd, the first basic play, it's you know, it's, I guess it's technically a play in game instead of a playoff game, but the first time that LeBron's going to have a full crowd um, in a game like that mm-hmm. in crypto.com arena can help some of that defensive energy. But yeah, Minnesota is not like they're, they're not the team, right. That they were certainly, and that can make that can for one night that can make them a little dangerous since you don't know exactly what you what you're going to see. But I do think they know pretty much what they're going to see. Uh, right. Which is Towns is the stretch five and a, a heavy dose of Edwards with a mix of some of the Conley in between game that you guys mentioned on yesterday's pod in between. But it's a game that, frankly, because of all those things like the Lakers should come in confident and uh, and aggressive and be looking to attack them. Yeah. Can a playing game be a trap game? <laughs> I hope not. That's I do worry about that with this team, though. It's interesting just because the Wolves have a lot of underdog chip on our shoulder, like no one believes in us energy. They, they have the potential for that coming into this game. Mm-hmm. And the combination of Towns and Edwards is the type of duo that will give top defenses trouble just based off of the way that their games mesh and mix, right? And so Edwards Edwards is a downhill player, and when you have a downhill player, the exact sort of big man you want to mix with him is a guy who's going to pop and space naturally, right? And so Towns can be a post threat, and I do think that he's going to try one of their – one of Minnesota's best bets, I think, Pete offensively also too is to like get AD with a cheap foul or two very early in the game. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and towns can go into the post to try to achieve that a little bit too. Right. And and so like, I'm not one of those people who goes into games um, lacking confidence or always looking for the bad, but there is a path here. For things to get off kilter early on. And I'd be lying if I didn't um, express a certain amount of concern around that path being like actually viable. Right. Like, I I don't think that there's only one entryway for things to go poorly for Mm -hmm. for the Lakers here. I think there's more than one, just like I think there's way more avenues for things to go well for them, too. So I don't want to discount that either. I'm just trying to in, in thinking about this matchup and thinking about like what you said, the relevancy of the previous games and how like the idea of a scout for this team right. and you're not really using any of your own game tape like maybe that stretch after Gobert hurt his knee in the last game would be the most relevant part Mm -hmm. to hey we're gonna scout those eight minutes 
of when Gobert sat with that knee issue before he came back into the game late. That's probably the best tape that you can find. And even then, it's just like McDaniels was a key part of that. And the Wolves also have some ingredients, Pete, that like I don't necessarily like in terms of um, LeBron's, like how you engage LeBron defensively and what his best attributes are defensively as well. And, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot to unpack here in terms of this matchup. and. Um, the Wolves' own energy and what they bring to to the table is an interesting variable in this that I think we'll know very early mm-hmm. if they're in for the fight or if they're looking forward to potentially hosting a play-in game themselves, their next game. Absolutely. but And to ensure that that is the outcome, I think that the focus on the ant and cat combo is important. And I think our defense on Anthony Edwards is pretty translatable, particularly from the last game. One one thing from going back and watching the tape that really stood out was the frequency with which we showed high with AD. He wasn't in deep drops, and we put two on the ball with Edwards a ton in that game, and it was really helpful. Austin actually started on him. That was something, as I was watching that, I was thinking about your uh, starting line lineup matchups that we always talk about D and Vando actually started on towns in that game with yeah. AD on Gobert. Austin was on Edwards and D'Lo on Conley. And so that putting two on the ball against Ant, I think is important for a couple of reasons, uh, just in terms of keeping him from getting downhill. What Mike was talking about, about Cat, you know, pulling him out and improving those driving lanes, that's kind of a counter to that. And what we were doing is we were peeling off from the weak side somebody to cover the pop on Towns, right? Because if you put... AD on the ball with Ant, that's if, if you don't do that, that's a wide open pick and pop for Carl Anthony Towns. But we were rotating over from that and then bouncing back. And the guy we were often doing it off of was Kyle Anderson, who's a very low volume three-point shooter. He shot 41%, I think, from three this year, but it's only on like one and a half attempts per game, Mike. And so that cat pick and pop, I definitely think is at the front of the scouting report. And I think we saw a bit of a preview in the last game on how we're going to navigate that. Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a good way to look at it. And he, like, here's the, there are a couple other things about the matchup that stand out in that that first half. Remember, Minnesota was up by ten um, when they actually went into halftime, mm-hmm. and it was for a mix of different reasons. But like the biggest reason, the starters just weren't very good and they weren't very sharp. LeBron was a little fatigued, and McDaniel's did a good job. But like LeBron was three for twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, AD was five for eleven. AD was a minus fifteen um, somehow. Like Reeves and Russell were both three for seven and you know, the defense just, it wasn't super sharp. I think they were trying to get a feel for what Minnesota was doing, but they're like Minnesota. It's just, it's such a different look to go from Gobert and McDaniels in the starting lineup to Anderson and Prince who are two good, solid veterans that I really like. Like that, these too. are good acquisitions yes. for the wolves. That's the reason why they were able to, I don't want to say overcome the Gobert trade, but in terms of still being a team that that at least is dangerous um, and is in this spot and kind of was battling all year, uh, when you bring a couple of vets like that in, uh, those those are good players. Now behind that, they get that's where they get a little bit more thin. And you're talking about Jordan McLaughlin, who I do kind of like as a backup point guard, but he's not gonna he's not a huge threat, you know, to take over a game by any means. And then Alexander Walker, and if they play another big behind town, it's going to be. Luca Garza or Nathan Knight, you know, like two young guys. Mm-hmm. Garza spent most of the league in the G or most of the year in the G League. Knight's okay, but it's like you were th- you were talking about AD being susceptible to a couple things. Well, Towns is always susceptible to foul trouble. 
um, yeah. and especially on the offensive end. And I, you know, I think that Towns is dangerous this game, but I also think that the Lakers and specifically Anthony Davis need to attack Towns because yeah. he doesn't have much for Davis on the defensive side of the court. And I also think that LeBron, uh, this could be a great LeBron game yes. in terms of, you know, attacking the rim, attacking towns, making them not just worry about Anthony Davis getting downhill. This is not a settle for jumpers game. This is a like Lakers get to the rim Amen. and pound the rim and attack the rim. And the wolves do not have the personnel to handle that type of attack. Whereas the Lakers do have the personnel to handle the pick and pop yep. with towns with Edwards. So the, like the Lakers, that's why I tried to start by if they just play with a certain level of focus um, and this is a really good matchup for what they can do right now uh, tonight in this kind of a game against what Minnesota has on the roster. The Lakers went on a big 24 to two run in that third quarter. And a lot of these over the course of the season D have been the, Oh, we're in the bonus with seven minutes left in the third quarter. And that was no exception. And so Mike is absolutely speaking my language there in terms of attacking the basket. Don't settle. And I think we've been good in these types of games where ideally we're taking sub 30 three point attempts. I think that that's a good stat to uh, determine whether or not we're attacking the basket no i think that that's that's all correct towns has a spotty playoff history and one of the reasons why he has a spotty playoff his history is his ability to continue to impact the game if he's dealing with fouls or as the physicality and intensity ratchets it ratchets up against him as well right and he hasn't always navigated those environments well Right. And so he's getting bumped more. He's getting bothered more. And then he does some of that other stuff himself in terms of chasing the chasing the loose ball for a rebound or trying to carve out space. And he just pushes guys or he just hits them. And suddenly he's got two fouls. And it's just like, what are you doing, bro? Like those aren't actual. That's not smart basketball. And Towns has had issues navigating that in the past. And so I think. I think that this is a battle of as much as I think Edwards, his ability to sort of control the game on the perimeter, that's so that's going to be so important for them. And he's so young that it's just like, I don't doubt that he can do it. I think summoning that on a night to night basis mm -hmm. or every night is just difficult for a player his age. It's rare. And he's a guy, one of the young guys in the league that can do it on both ends of the floor. I thought he did a yep. great job of not erasing D'Lo from last game. But if you put him on D'Lo, just the athletic advantage is significant enough to where it makes his life a good deal harder. Now, that said, he's their best defensive weapon right now. And if, if he's taken out D'Lo, that's fine because I think they've got a lot of problems elsewhere. I kind of wonder if he gets any minutes on LeBron to kind of replicate McDaniels' physicality and all of that. But yeah, that, that's something that I think is, is super important to this game. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Conley. Go, go ahead, D. No, no, no. I was actually going to bring up Conley as like a secondary guy here because he's sort of the main guy for the Wolves that we haven't brought yep. up yet. And, and he had a very good game the last game. And I was actually going to ask you a question about Conley, Pete, because Conley is much less of a downhill player. And he is much more of a guy like he gets downhill, but he wants to do it in order to get to his floater. He's not doing it to try to get all of the way to the basket. Mm -hmm. 
And I wanted to ask how you thought Gobert's absence was going to impact Conley, because I think that they are a much more natural pick and roll partnership than him and Towns. And so I just was going to kick it back to you on that idea at some point, because I think Conley... How well Conley plays is going to be super important to what Minnesota's success rate totally is. Totally agree. Let's take a break and come back talk uh, some more about him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think your observation about Conley and Gobert being simpatico is, is really spot on and helps. It helps open up that, those floaters because Gobert, who, you know, I will I will never forgive Utah fans for beating us over the head with the idea that he's some top 10 player in the league. Right. But if you look at the, if you look at the last two matchups in particular, Mike Gobert being a massive human being that plays hard and has motor was at the center of a lot of our difficulties, you know, and when Minnesota was playing well, that was a big part of that. And he's always going to roll hard to the rim and provide at least that threat where if you're in that deep drop, you got to kind of hang back and respect that or else it's going to be a lob for an easy dunk. And that is what in turn opens up Conley's uh, floater. And so you got to have good back pressure on that. Our strategy was to show high on Edwards screens, but not on Conley. So I'm curious to see if we adjust that at all. But it was a game, Mike, where we Conley's second half was a lot less productive than his first half. And I think he's a guy that if you focus more of your attention on him, in which I think we'll be able to in a game like this without Gobert in particular, you can you can shut him down a little bit. That said, he's a dangerous player that can very much go for 25 points in a game like this. So I know you, you're, I know you like Conley, Mike, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on him in this game. Yeah. So Conley, Conley, I went back and forth on a little bit from watching the playoffs last year, you know, when eventually kind of once he, once he wasn't able to get to the typical spots that he was going to get to, you saw some of the limitations like of the athleticism at this stage in his career, even though still a very solid player. And I thought it was a good trade for them. He's played better this year, even in Utah, um, I think, than people thought. But, you know, now that I think now we're getting back to a postseason type setting and this is where a certain type of a scheme and you you even you know hinted at it at the end of the last pod, um, I do think can limit him some. Because if you if you just are aware of where Conley has a lot of his success um, and and specifically scout for that, he doesn't necessarily have a, a different athletic answer as and by the way, most point guards don't, um, you know, in these, this is why, again, my whole big wings and sure. thing uh, in, in a postseason setting, because at the end of the day, you can always throw uh, a, a big wing over onto a player like that, unless it's Steph or Dame, 
in which you have to bring a second right. body uh, over because they're they're so deadly in that context. So I, I think that Conley is, you know, he's not when you're looking at that scouting report. Yes, there are a couple of things that and he did dice the Lakers up in that first half. Um, by basically making every shot, but then they made the adjustment, and I think they go in with that knowledge um, as to how to limit him a little yeah. bit better. So, you know, they're they're just the all of the threats that the Wolves provide. Even if we haven't seen a lot of their the heavier dose of Carl Anthony Towns uh, this year without Gobert, are are things that the Lakers within their normal scheme, um, I think, can account for. Uh, and and so this comes back then to a. Uh, for me, it comes back to an energy and playing the right way and, and those types of things that have been a little bit trickier this last week by going against teams second and third sure. units and guys that had nothing to lose. And and I, I just got a sense coming out of practice and from you know talking to some of the coaches and and even just the demeanor of LeBron and AD um, after the game, the last thing that they want to do, and this starts with LeBron, is have to play again yeah. on Friday. Uh, and and approaching what I think that, you know, by all, you would have to assume that the Lakers would be playing on the Sunday game if they did get mm-hmm. in to the first round, just based on the way that TV yep. goes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there, I just don't, I, I just think you're going to come out and see, um, if not for the full 48 minutes, but I think you're going to see a pretty focused and intense defensive effort. And, you know, Anthony Davis, that's all he's been talking about the last yeah. couple of days because he, he was, was pissed at the way that the defense was playing and you could see it on the court. And he's like, guys, no, this is not going to cut it, which I thought was great because they sort of could afford to do that mm-hmm. in those games. Clearly like they won the games, but he's more making a point that I think, you know, Darius has been making like, Hey, Hey, no, 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 no. It's not time for that anymore. I've been on the other side of it sitting in the arena being like, I get it. I get it. It's not great to watch. I get it. This is kind of what happens. But tonight, you know, if it's not there, that's that's when it's in the full Darius displeasure scale comes out. Absolutely. This is the postseason, right? And and so <laughs> when we won the chip, D, AD was our defensive leader. He was the guy like, and I saw him bark at LeBron in that Utah game, right? And like, make your rotation, yes. like crack down, help me out on the boards. All of that, that level of I'm going to do it myself and get on your case for not doing it. Like, that's great. I love that. And it's exactly yes. what we need. He He brought it up multiple times. Like at yesterday's media availability, like unprompted, <laughs> like he was talking about something totally yeah, different. And then suddenly, mind. yeah, yeah, like he totally swerved back to defensive communication at one point in the context of like some other answer that he like it had nothing to do with that. But here comes defensive communication again and getting back to being the defensive team that we know we can be, quote unquote, from Anthony Davis. And so he knows Look, AD's won a championship too. He knows what side of the ball is going to fuel what the Lakers do best, which is still be a transition team. You can have all the skill guards you want. Well, this is like, guess what? LeBron and AD running the lane and finishing at the basket with little to no defensive resistance. Like that's yes. worth more than all of these open three-pointers that you generate off swig swig, right? It's just like, like get to the hole. Um, Mike, something that you said earlier caught my head. So I look up the numbers while you were talking and it was about, you know, not seeing as much from this team from Minnesota based off of like these different player combinations and whatnot. And so how many minutes do you guys think Conley towns and Edwards have played this season as a trio 
without Gobert and McDaniels on oh, man. the court. Got to be sub some sub one hundred, right? Oh yeah, sub one hundred for sure. Remember, Towns too missed a ton yeah, of time minutes, this year. So, what about you, Mike? Yeah, I guess less than fifty. Yeah. All right. Yes, it's fifteen. Oof. Yeah, fifteen minutes this season with those three on the court without McDaniel's and Gobert as well, right? And so this goes to, for all the talk that we've had about like Darvin Ham trying to formulate lineups this season and how you oh, yeah. combine these dudes together in order to make proper groupings, guess what? I'm pretty sure Chris Finch knows that if his defense is going to be alive at any point during a game, he's going to need one or both of McDaniels and Gobert on the court in order to help get lift your defensive floor, right? And so that goes back to Mike's point earlier about like not having both of those dudes really is going to hurt their defense. And I'm super interested to see like how much does Minnesota help? Because you can trust McDaniels to defend LeBron one-on-one mm-hmm. on the perimeter without necessarily shading as much and this is where it's like the the minute details and and like the nuance of what a an offensive and defensive possession like what that looks like pete and it's one of the reasons why i love basketball it's that idea of kyp and not only knowing your personnel but knowing the other team's personnel and what you think your own personnel can do against the other team's personnel and where the winning point is Right. Like we're going to win this possession based off of these factors. And it doesn't matter what the other team does, because we know in these instances, we we have the answers. And Minnesota's lost some answers, particularly with McDaniels. I think Gobert is a different story. One of the things that the Wolves were doing with Gobert is they were putting him on Vanderbilt. Right. And we're going to see that if we play Memphis in the first round, they'll put Jaron Jackson on him. That's going to be one of the storylines going forward is Vando. Sure. And how they navigate that. And it's why I think we've been seeing that more and more during the regular season as well. And it's why Rui has become a much more mm-hmm. prominent figure in late game situations. It's because you can't really help off of Rui in that same way because he is such a good like he'll shoot the open three he can attack a closeout he can do so much more with the ball in his hands but in getting back to this Minnesota game I just wanted to pose that idea to you guys both about like they actually don't have a lot of experience together with these with these sorts of lineups that they're going to have to play tonight and how much of a factor do you think that that that's going to play into their success rate a big factor this is this just all goes right back to the like the Lakers they they should be the team that is kind of controlling the energy and controlling all of the just the dictating the pace of the game and dictating what's going on there. Uh, and I think that, you know, I don't want to overestimate the impact of the crowd on this, but I, I just think that we've forgotten probably some. And like McMenamin tweeted out yesterday, right, that LeBron hasn't played in front of a, a crowd, a playoff crowd of more than eighty five hundred people. Um, of course, because of the pandemic and then the fact that the Lakers missed the playoffs the first year before that. And I'm uh, remember a couple of weeks ago when the when the crowd was really mm-hmm. starting to impact these games and the crowd has been wanting to impact these games the last couple. But it's just been tricky for all the circumstances that we previously uh, previously described. So that's a I know I'm I'm taking the question in a, in a different direction slightly, but that to me is part of the answer, you know, as to as to what's going to happen with 
um, with Minnesota not having a ton of familiarity and that lack of familiar familiarity now yep. coming into a building that is very hungry um, for the Lakers to really get into a playoff series and then see if they can do um, some kind of damage there. So I, I think a team like if it was the, if it were the Warriors and they were coming in and they had had a, a certain kind of injury, right. I think that they know how to come into that building, you know, even though that's a whole different thing in terms of matchups. But I just think that that can't, I can't see a, a scenario in which the Wolves come in and, and like shock the Lakers mm. and shock the home crowd. Like if they come out hot, then the, the home crowd is just going to, um, it's just going to push in the right direction. And I mentioned to you guys, I think on text yep. during the Timberwolves game uh, on March 31st, that the game was about to flip and the home crowd was about to sort of get anxious and nervous. And that was going to help mm-hmm. the Lakers. Like it's the, it's the opposite in LA in these kind of situations. And at least I haven't seen, I haven't seen a game. I've been working for the Lakers since 2008. I haven't seen a game yet in a playoff scenario where the Lakers came, where the fans came out and it didn't give the team a boost in a way that just reinforces the type of way that they have to play. Because if yep. they play with defensive intensity and focus, like they're going to be fine. And against this, this matchup, there are some teams this year that mm-hmm. like, I don't know that that's the case. Um, thinking of a, a talent, like if a, in a Phoenix type of a matchup, but this is a type of game where if they play with, to me, with the proper intensity and, and that's why I, I have a certain degree of, uh, of sort of confidence about the way they'll approach the game and the result, what the result will be. And I think in the context of that lacking familiarity that Darius was talking about, when you have a crowd that's behind a team and they are coming out with that defensive intensity that they exhibited, even on the road in, in Minnesota, right, that that helps because you don't have defaults to go back on. And that's why what you were talking about earlier, D, about having to find solutions when you've lost so many of them. The part of the game where AD is out of the game and Wenyon is in, I think is the part that if I'm Minnesota, I really look to dominate that stretch and survive the others because Wenyon is too small to guard Cat. And the way that their rotation fell and our and our rotation fell last time. Now, this may be different. I'm guessing that we uh, extend LeBron and AD, right? But there were uh, stretches in both the end of the first and the beginning of the second, same in the second half where... Ant and Cat were on the floor, but AD was not. And so how we navigate those, Rui was an excellent answer uh, on Cat on the perimeter, and I thought we did a much better job of that in the second half than the first. But to me, if I'm Chris Finch, I'm looking to wrangle as much of the familiarity as I can in those minutes and see if we can go on a 12 to 2 run over the course of three, four minutes and try to survive as best we can, especially defensively in those other minutes. So curious your thoughts, D, on that part of the game, the Wenyan part where AD is out. Yeah, we'll just have to see what Finch does in in those stretches like he's down two key rotation players in a game in which you'd probably already limit your rotation more. Right. And so you would want to extend Gobert and McDaniels's minutes into the 30s, high 30s, if at all possible. And now how do you account for losing potentially 70 rotation minutes from two starters? And it's going to be a bit of a push and pull with that sort sort of stuff. Do you take Towns out early? Do you take Edwards out early in order to try to play them during these stretches of the games where you expect AD to sit? Well then, what does that do to your team? Yeah, good luck surviving those now, other minutes where you set hold- them, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's whack-a-mole to a certain extent. You've lost a lot of talent 
through a uh, suspension and through a guy who broke his hand. And so now him having to coach on gut and feel and stretch guys out himself, like is Towns ready to play 42 minutes this game only to potentially have to play again on Friday? Like these are all things that are going to matter like a great deal. One one of the things though that I wanted to kick to you guys is we've I think expressed a certain amount of confidence about what the Lakers can do, what they should should do and even potentially what they will do, right? Like they are the more talented team, they are the better team. One of the reasons why they're hosting this game is because they went and beat this team in their road arena, right? When when everyone was healthy Right. And so there's a certain confidence level the Lakers should be carrying in to this game based off the fact that we just did this and we did it on the road and we did it against a more complete version of this team. So the Lakers should be feeling a certain way. But I wanted to flip the idea back to you guys with sort of the idea that I star started with earlier, which is like, what is the path for the Wolves here? And what should the Lakers be cognizant of around like this is this is actually how this team can hurt us because Minnesota still does pose some problems, uh, particularly offensively. And that 12 to two run that you're talking about, Pete, that's a run that can happen with LeBron and AD on the court based off of the offensive talent that the Wolves have. So, so talk to me a little bit about like where your concerns might lie with a game like this, because it's not all puppies and rainbows. Puppies? puppies? Yeah, my dog's just like, what? What? Yeah. Yes. Oh, puppies. I thought you said uh, puffies. Puppy. I was like, oh, Did what's he... that? Is that a new Your girl's in Is there something <laughs> called puppies? Like, my niece is into unicorns right now. I thought maybe that was a way to describe that. Okay. Yeah, I, I will play devil's advocate to myself because I don't see this happening this way. But I think that this is a, if the wolves are going to have a good shot, it's, you know, get hot from three. Um, Cat is, is spacing out. You know, Davis is still somewhere in between in that. Like maybe yeah, a little bit higher than the deep drop, but you know he's a, he's kind of pulled away from the rim, and, and as they start to hit some threes, then you get Edwards getting downhill, um, and you know maybe you get Nikhil Alexander Walker comes in and, and hits three threes in the first half, and like McLaughlin hits a couple threes, you know Conley, um, all of his in between stuff is still working. Like they're basically they're just hitting their shots at a higher rate than um, than the Lakers feel like they should be. And on the other end, you know, they're they're aggressively playing AD and maybe even trapping him and sending an extra body. And the Lakers are settling. Uh, and instead of driving downhill, they're taking step back jumpers and, you know, they're pulling up and it's it's D'Lo trying to look for Malik Beasley off the screen six times in a row instead of giving Davis the ball. You know, it, it just that escalating that way until the point where um, where, you know, the Lakers find themselves in a hole and then the pressure starts building. And they think they're starting to think about hold on, wait, could we actually have right. to play on Friday? So blah, blah, et cetera. That, that's the, uh, that to me would be this, the wolf scenario. So the three-point shooting and just jump shooting in general on both ends, I'm right there with you. I think that for the Wolves, it's a matter of percentage, right? And I think that that's something that we can – we give up open-ish jump shots. In rewatching the game in Minnesota, like Jordan McLaughlin was awful in the third quarter of that game oh, and we should mention we should mention too that a bunch of the te- a bunch of those guys were sick that game uh including edwards yes. who was like puking at halftime so that yes. was it wasn't just that vanderbilt shut him down as darius mentioned he didn't even start on him and was like standing in the corner for half the possessions and just breaking shots because he could yes. barely feel him, himself standing up so just yes that's another situation he's going to be better than he was 
Yes, thank you for for bringing that up. And so our between our penchant to kind of give up and concede openish jumpers, like if they hit the openish jumpers, then it's a, a different game. And then yeah, the settling on the other end, and then the winning minutes, right, or the non AD minutes, I should say. Both Ant it can elevate over the top of Winion if he's in a deep drop, and Cat can go through him, whether it's in the post or off of rolls. He's going to just has a physicality advantage. And so we went big in that second half in ways that I don't necessarily think apply if Gobert is not playing. But I do think that in those Winion minutes, using Winion's athleticism and continuing to show high and rotate is a much likelier uh, path to success for us than having him in those deep drops. So between the jump shooting and just those, the non AD minutes, those are the two places I'm most concerned about. How about you, D? Yeah. So all of those things are spot on to me. The thing that I would look to as to like what the Lakers success level is going to be and what the wolf success level is going to be is actually the two players who are going to start for the guys who are out right? Mm. That's Prince and that's slow-mo because they actually have the types of like veteran steady game that they're not going to be rattled. They're not going to be young. They're not going to be mistake prone. They're going to, they're, they have a certain amount of focus where they're, they know that what they do works. They know what their strengths are. They know what their weaknesses are. And they know how to play towards the former and away from the latter. And yeah. they, to me, they're the ones who can be stabilizing forces in some of these other lineups where it's just like, oh, okay, well, look at these these guys. And, and so one of the things that I wanted to make for my last point is like looking at LeBron. Because LeBron is the guy who he is still the force that can take the ball out of bounds, basically, and start mm-hmm. the start a possession from the backcourt. AD can't really do this, right. right? Because he's a center. LeBron has the ability to control the flow of this game from an offensive standpoint, and he has a great ability to impact this game defensively in my opinion. And he has taken his foot off the gas defensively in ways since his return that we haven't really talked about as much because we've been talking more about his jump shot and his shot creation Mm -hmm. and what he's been doing in terms of pacing himself. But the defensive side is where LeBron is the guy who has the highest range between what his peak level is and where he decides to sort of just like, ah, I'm going to chill some. And he's going to get those matchups against the princes and the, and, and Anderson. And if he decides y'all ain't doing anything this game, then he can flip this game. I think just off of that, by taking out a key player that the wolves are going to really need production from, um, and, and I sort of wanted to end my thoughts with like LeBron and, and returning the focus to him a little bit. I love the idea of focusing on his defense, and I think we'll have more extensive conversations about it going forward. But in a game where AD may be extended out onto the perimeter and just our bigs in general to help take away that pick and pop, your backline rotations become super important. And LeBron is one of the very best in the world at this when he's really locked in. This will end up with him, you know, trying to body up or front a cat 
he when he's at his best, he's scrambling over and getting steals down low where he's, you know, stripping down low at the ball. And so that's the LeBron I expect to see, because if he's not making those rotations that if we're showing high with AD, that's a very wide open paint. Like you said, the difference between his floor and ceiling defensively is about as vast as it can be. And so going to be a key part of this game and of these playoffs going forward. All right. This is fun, guys. Uh, Let's come out, play with force, hopefully get Cat into some foul trouble, um, attack the basket, uh, pressure them on defense. I think Dennis is going to be important as a point of attack guy. He was very, very good and very key to that run. Hopefully he got some rest over the last week. We will be back either tonight or tomorrow to discuss how it went. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Bryant. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. (laughs) Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.